We are continuing today on the track that we've been on from the book of 2 Timothy, and the series is called Fight to the Finish. So Pastor Ross took us through last week, took us through chapter 1. Today we're going to dive into chapter 2. So if you want to turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2, that will get you on track. Now this book was written while Paul was in prison, probably around 67 AD, probably in Rome. He's in chains, and so uh, he is a, he's a captive, and this is probably, most think, his last book. It's the last book that he wrote to Timothy. And so as you, re- as you read through this, I want you to take a moment and just contemplate some of those thoughts. See, most believe that this would be some of the core things that he wants to pass on. Paul, uh, an apostle, and as a pastor to a younger pastor who's had to deal with a lot of hard stuff, who's had to walk through a lot of hardship and difficulty, who's had to defend doctrine against people coming and pressing in, who's had to learn a lot of difficult lessons as a young, young pastor. And so now he's a little bit older from 1 Timothy to the book of 2 Timothy, and that's kind of where we find ourselves today. So let's take a second and let's pray over it and let's dive in. Are you ready? All right. Lord Jesus, pray that you would speak to us today. Pray that you would illuminate our minds to hear, to know, and to understand the truths of your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would anoint every hearer in the room to be transformed and touched and changed by you. Uh, I pray that you would speak words of life through me and let your word and your spirit in us do great things. We love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. I really like Rocky movies. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> I, li- I like Rocky movies. I got to tell you, I enjoy movies. I enjoy films. Um, and I love the Rocky series, with the exception of Rocky Five, because let's just pretend that one didn't happen. <laughs> but the rest of them are fantastic. And, the, and, and there's several reasons for this, but one of the main reasons for this is because, uh, believe it or not, God has used the Italian stallion to speak, <laughs> to speak some truth into my life and to encourage me. Who knew? Who knew that God could use Sly Stallone, that my dad doesn't believe it, but it's true, uh, that he could use sliced alone to encourage me in such great ways. And here's, here's really the core of it for me. When it comes down to it, if you look at the story of Rocky Balboa, the Italian stallion, he was not the greatest fighter. He was a southpaw, so he, he was a lefty. He wasn't super strong. He didn't have everything together. He wasn't the best trained guy out there. He wasn't the strongest by any means. But what he could do was he could take the punishment offered him in the ring and he could get up and he could keep going. And that's how he won. In fact, when you watch the movie, if you get to the tail end and you get to Rocky Balboa, which I think is like Rocky 6, teen or whatever it is, whatever number that falls into, when you get to the end of that movie, he sums it up in a speech to his son on the side of the road. And he looks at his son and he says, listen, Life is not about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep going. Stand up and keep moving. Keep moving forward. And then he looks him in the eye and he says, with that slide Stallone 
crooking his lip. That's how winning is done. Eyes a little droopy. That's the best I got, folks. But I agree. Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, great. I'll be here all week. Thank you. That's how winning is done. Endurance. Fighting to the finish. Enduring hardship. This is, what's, this is what uh, Paul starts into with Timothy. Let's read it. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to read a little chunk, then we'll come back. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Let's just read a few more verses. Remember Jesus Christ. Does this sound familiar from communion today? Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Stop right here. Now let's, go to the, let's go to the top because here, here's the thing that happens to us, I think. You read this, this passage, you read this book, and it's easy for us to think, if you studied a little bit, it's easy to think, uh, well, that's really nice. This is a good letter to Timothy, a pastor. It's a pastoral epistle. And so great news for a pastor to keep going. But you've got to realize something this morning, that it's not words that are just meant for Timothy, but these words also apply to you. And do you know why? One of the main reasons I think that is, of course, the Word of God is relatable to every situation, circumstance that we have, even though it was not originally written to us, it was written to somebody else, but then we're able to draw from those truths for our experience today in our context. But here's the truth for you and I as we sit here this morning. Every Christ follower is a minister. You are a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. I don't believe that there is such thing as a believer who is in ministry and one who is not. No such thing as a believer who's in ministry and a believer who is not. So you don't get the opportunity to say, oh, but I'm a businessman. I'm not in ministry. I just follow Jesus. I'm not a minister. But if you recall in Matthew chapter 28 in the Great Commission that Jesus says to all of us, said to the disciples originally, and then of course that relates to us, go into all the world and do what? Make disciples. Preach the gospel, yes. So all of us have this calling to make disciples. 
So whether you've realized it, whether you believe it, whether you know it or not, you are a minister of his gospel. All of us are called to make disciples, and all of us are called to influence people for the kingdom of God and for the cause of Christ. Now, as you do it, though, there's no doubt, as you live this life and you follow after him and you do the things that he's called you to do, life gets difficult. It is a fight. And look, I, I know, I, I know a lot of the stories in this room. I know a lot of your stories from having sat down with you and listened as you talk about the difficulties and the struggles and the things that you're going through. I know that life is difficult. I know that life is difficult from my own experiences. I know that this life is a trial and it's hard. I, I was as I was reading some stuff in preparation for this message this morning. I read um, I read an, one author who was talking about how challenging life is, and he said, you know, it's kind of like you're born, and you're born somewhat exposed in a room full of people, which is awkward enough, and then maybe in the, uh, maybe several years ago, not so much today, but, but then someone gives you a good smack just to get you breathing, and then it seems like that process keeps, keeps recurring over and over and over and over again through the course of my life. And then it's over. And I'm tired of it. And don't you feel that way sometimes? That it just keeps going. It just repeats. It's kind of like before birth and after death, it's all pretty easy. It's this chunk right in the middle that is really challenging. This chunk that we call life. And some of us, I think, came to follow Jesus under false pretenses. We came to follow Jesus based on some pastor or someone, someone, a friend, somebody with good intentions saying, hey, you come to Jesus and he's gonna help you and he's gonna heal you and he's gonna take care of you. And all of that is true. But how and when is always the question. The same, the same author, he said, talking about Jesus and being a follower, he said, throughout the course of his life, Jesus was despised by people who mocked his mother as a, these are his words, not mine, as a tramp. And ultimately, he was a homeless guy without a wife, kid, job, place to lay his head. His best friend betrayed him for a few bucks, and then he gets murdered. Now, that's a very crude and rough synopsis because we understand all the incredible things that Jesus did on the earth. But he's talking about his experience on the earth. And then he says, only an American who undergoes a hard time, difficulty or strife, would look up at the sky and say, God, I love you and I serve you. I thought that my life was going to be just like oh, Jesus. Oh. He went through difficulty. He endured hardship. I'm going to do the same thing. So that's why in verse 1, Paul says to Timothy, straight off, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And everybody, the encouragement that I have rolling around in my heart today as I've been praying over this for you and for me is, it's time to be strong again. It's time to be strong again. 
Because we've got to be strong if we're going to finish well. If we're going to finish well, like Pastor Ross taught last week, we have got to be strong. But I'm not proposing that you do this by the sheer force of your own will. I can be strong. I can grit my teeth. I can do it. The strength comes from the grace that is in Jesus Christ. It's God grace, God's grace that makes us strong, the grace that comes only from Jesus. And so the first thing that you and I have to do is very simple. We just have to surrender. The first thing that we've got to do is surrender our lives to Jesus. Now, I know that seems obvious. It seems like, yeah, sure, I've done that. But my question is today, have you tried once again to try to pick up some of the areas and pieces and things that have been going on in your heart and in your life and in your family and in your career and with your finances and everything that you're facing? Have you tried to pick those pieces up and gather them together and make it all fit together and work? And you say, there are areas of my life where I've surrendered to Jesus, but there's so many areas where I just keep striving and trying. And maybe today it's time once again to say, Jesus, I surrender all, every area of my life, so that you can help me and your grace can work in me. I think that real strength for life only comes through that surrender. If you really want to be strong, if you really want to have life, you got to lose your life. If you want the life of Jesus, you have to lose your own life. Surrender to him today. Where you stop trying and he just starts filling. Because you've relinquished control. Let's talk about what that means to be in, strong in the grace. Let's, let's have a working definition. There's so many things that we could say about grace. But let's work off this today. Grace is unmerited divine assistance given to humans, <laughs> that's you and me, given to people for their regeneration or sanctification. Unmerited divine assistance given humans for their regeneration or sanctification. In essence, what is it? It is God's help even though you didn't earn it. Nothing you can do to earn it. And he just gives it freely to you. It's God's assistance and help in times of trial and through all of life, even though you didn't earn it. For regeneration, for salvation initially, and then to continue the process of sanctification to become holy and to become more like him. See, it keeps working every day. It brings you to salvation, but then it just keeps working. So do you need strength to be more like him? Do you need help today? Then it is his grace that empowers you to be able to do it. And then if you keep going here with this idea, this favor manifests itself in acts of deliverance in time of need and provision of daily sustenance. It just keeps working whenever you're in need. When you've got something that you're lacking, you need sustenance, you need help, you need him. It keeps moving. His grace is available for you. Because I can tell you this, I need it. I am not strong enough to do the things that God has called me to do. I'm, I'm absolutely not. And I came to terms with that a long time ago. 
I can't be the kind of pastor that I'm supposed to be. I can't disciple people the way that I'm supposed to be. I can't grow kids' ministry here. I can't grow student ministry and invest in the lives of junior high and high school students. I can't take care of my wife and be a great husband. I can't take care of my kids and be their daddy. I can't do all the things and have friendships. I can't do all those things on my own. And so do you know what I've kind of decided? Even just recently, I've kind of had to do it again. I've just decided once more to say, I give up. I just give up. I'm not going to focus so hard on trying to make all those things work. Instead, I'm going to turn into the grace of Jesus, and I'm just going to work on being in Christ. Because then all I have to do is wake up every morning and say, Jesus, I just want to be in you today. Fill me with your spirit. Let your grace empower me. And do you know what starts to happen then? I start getting the strength. I get ideas for how we're going to take care of kids. I get ideas for how to raise my kids. I have the grace to deal with and to uh, walk through the difficult circumstances in my life. I have grace to be a husband. I have grace in all the things that I need. So where is the grace found? It's in Jesus. You've got struggles. Where are you going to find it? It's in him. You need to be a great dad, you're going to find the grace in Jesus. You need to be great at your career and you need help with your finances, you're going to find the grace to do that in Jesus. Surrender to him because it's there. All we've got to start doing is starting to remember and getting close to Jesus. And of course, that happens through the, the word. It happens through prayer. It happens through worship. It happens as I continue to pursue him. It happens through honoring the Sabbath. It happens through all of these things. And it happens, and it's necessary because this next verse. Verse 2, And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. We need God's grace because we are the ones to entrust the word of God, the gospel of the Lord Jesus to people. Reproducing ourselves in others is the key to the spread of the gospel. The work of God in you and reproducing them in someone else is the key to the spread of the gospel. Now notice something really quick in this verse. Notice there are four generations in this verse. There's Paul, who speaks to Timothy, then Timothy, who speaks to reliable people, and then those reliable people share that with others. Do you see that? Do you see those four? Okay. So the key here for all of us to remember is that third generation. Well, what does that mean? It means that Paul, Paul could have said, uh, all right, Timothy, here are the things that you need to learn and understand and know. And so Timothy takes those. Now, if Timothy would have stopped, it would have been over. And if all of us just stop, then it's over. But Timothy then takes those words, that instruction, that grace, that life, that gospel, and he shares that with other reliable people. The third generation. Listen, we don't know what kind of disciplers we really are until there's a third generation that can come out of that. Then you know, I've given all that Jesus has given me to help them to obey everything that he's commanded, and then they're able from that point to help others. That's what we're after. We're aiming at that third generation. And you know what that highlights for me? It highlights the importance of this body and this community. 
this group of people working together to see that happen. And do you know why? Because as we go through the hardships and difficulties of life, there are experts that are sitting in this room that have dealt with all kinds of stuff. And those experts, they're not me. You're an expert in several things that you've gone through that Jesus has rescued you from, not me. There are things I have not dealt with. There are things that Pastor Ross has not dealt with. I can tell you that if, if you struggle with alcoholism, I'm not an expert at how to walk through that. I know the truth of Scripture. I know the power of Jesus to rescue you, but I'm not an expert in that. But one of you in here is because you've suffered with it. You've endured it. You've been healed. You've been delivered. You've been set free. And now you can be the strength for someone else. This is why we're here. The gospel can continue. So, Paul says in verse 3, Join with me in suffering. As you're doing this, as the grace of Jesus is working in you, as you're reproducing yourself, as the gospel is moving forward, join with me then in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Some of the versions that you read say, not, not just join with me in suffering, but they say, endure hardship. Endure hardship. They don't say avoid hardship. Skirt lightly and delicately around hardship. <laughs> Try to tiptoe around the hardship. Pretend that the hardship is not there. Talk to the hand, Mr. Hardship. I'm embarrassed that I said that just now. <laughs> it says endure it. Endure hardship. Everybody, as ministers, we choose to endure hardship rather than avoid it. Rather than just try to fix it. But most of us, we want to just fix it. We want to eliminate it. Especially a lot of the men in here. Hardship comes to your family and you just say... I can take care of this. I know what to do. I got the answers. You need to do X, Y, Z, and you'll be okay. Try that with your wife and see what happens there. But we want to eliminate it. We've got stuff going on with our kids. We've got stuff in our marriages, and we're suffering. We've got career issues. We've got sicknesses that are very real. We've got relationships that are broken. We've got family relationships that are falling apart. We've got finances that are pressing in, pressing down on our chest. All these things are happening, and I know that we've got to deal with things as they arise. But sometimes God's objective is not for us to eliminate the problem. It's for us to learn something. It's for us to get something, to understand something that he wants to teach us. One view says, as you come into a hardship, oh, there's nothing here for me to learn. There's just stuff for me to fix. Another position says, uh, all right. Here's a hardship. What can I do to learn what God wants me to do? What can I learn in this crucible that will form character in me? What might Jesus be trying to teach me as I go through this? I don't know about you, but I don't ask that question very often. I don't stop when something's punching me in the face and say, Hmm, what can I learn today from this? I say, Stop punching me in the face. But I want to challenge you today to stop and say, 
okay, God, what do you want to show me? And there's lots of verses that we could go through. You can write these down if you're taking notes. Hebrews 12, 7. I'm not going to take the time to read them, but endure hardship as discipline. James 1, 2 through 3 says, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. John 16, 33 says, In this world, Jesus promises you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And so Paul then starts to give instruction to Timothy on how this should work through three enduring analogies that we're going to hit really quick. Are you ready? Three enduring analogies. We've already read the first one. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. All right, everybody. Here's the truth. You're living in a war. If you forgot... Need to remind yourself again, you're in a spiritual battle for your soul and for the souls around you. There's a very real enemy. His name is Satan, and he wants to take you out. Then he's got ranks of evil spirits and demons that are trying to take you out for him. Then you've got some, uh, an enemy inside you from time to time called your own flesh and desires, things that you want. Then you've got, believe it or not, people in the world that don't actually like you that much. <laughs> well, they don't know me because <laughs> I'm amazing. Now, even still, there are people who, they don't like you so much. There are enemies in this world. And I don't know what history books you've read, but all the history books that I've read, they don't talk about fun war. There's no such thing as fun war. There's no wars where people walk around and give high fives and say, hey, how's it going? And then at the end say, hey, that was a really crazy battle we just had, right? All right, up high. And then they go back to their sides and have a great night. Okay, hey, you too. That's ridiculous. But sometimes it's how we want to look at our lives and say, it should be this way. Shouldn't it be so much easier than this? No, because war is hard. War is sacrifice. War is pain. War is difficulty. But you're called to endure so that God can teach you and help you to become who it is he wants you to be. You've got to learn how to fight. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We live in this world, but we don't fight like the world does. And the weapons we fight with are not the weapons that the world uses. They are spiritual, and they have power through God. You've got to learn to fight and fight the right enemy. You're not fighting against people. You're not fighting against politics. You're not fighting all these things. Yes, there are scrimmages that will go on, skirmishes that will happen. All that stuff's going to happen as you go through life. But you're not fighting those people. You're fighting a spiritual battle. As our military returns from Iraq, there's a big difference between the life they live there and the life they're living here. And he's kind of saying it that way. He's saying, listen, just like if you were on the front lines, stay in service. 
Don't come back and get wrapped up in civilian affairs. Don't come and get wrapped up in all the things that the world has to offer. Remember that you are on the front lines. Yes, you're in the world. Yes, you interact with people. Yes, you're not spending every moment on your guard, watching everything. It doesn't mean you don't get to enjoy life, but, but you've got to keep the perspective and the mentality that you are in a constant state of war. Soldiers on active duty, they expect hardship. They're on the front lines. There's damp weather. There's bad food. There's no sleep. There's exhaustion. There's dirt. There's poor shelters. There's bullets flying by. They are in very real danger. But the further, and so they're focused and ready. But the further they step back from the front lines, the more frequent and trivial the complaints can become. I can tell you this, there's no soldier on the front line who's opening up his rations and going, hey, Bill, this beef stroganoff tastes okay to you? No one's concerned about that being on the front lines of the battle. They're not thinking about that. And how many times do we get so distracted with things that are so trivial rather than keeping our focus on Jesus and the work that must be done and the people who are lost and being strong in his grace so that we can accomplish it. Stay in it. And here's the thing, that word entangled that Paul uses, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, a, it's like a sheep with his wool getting tangled up into a, a thorn bush where he's just kind of trapped and can't get out. It doesn't mean that you have to ignore everything else and just always be at the front line, front line, front line, front line. He's talking about don't get entangled in it. Don't get wrapped up in it. Don't get stuck in it. Be about the mission. You are a mission-focused soldier. That's who you are. Let's keep going. We'll go to the second one here. The second thing that Paul encourages, if you go back to, uh, go back to 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says then, so anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. You got to compete according to the rules. You are a disciplined, well-trained athlete. The athlete is after the reward. He's after the crown. He wants to win. So athletes, they do two things. They train with a set of rules, and they compete with a set of rules. They train by rules that say you must be self-disciplined. You have to go to bed on time so you can be rested. Your body can be healthy and strong. You have to not eat this food, and you have to eat this food. You have to uh, exercise daily. You have to build muscle you have to endure those routines. And then when they compete, same thing. They don't get to set the rules. They don't get to say, well, uh, I, I like this rule, so I'm going to keep that rule. But that rule I'm not so fond of, so I'm not really going to do that. My son is perfect at this. My son, you, and he's four. My son loves to change the rules. My son comes to me and says, he's always, he loves to battle. He likes to fight right now. And so he's, he's always saying, hey, Dad, hey, Dad, can we have an epic battle? I'm like, sure. <laughs> so sometimes we'll go over and we'll turn on some kind of soundtrack from a movie and have this big soundtrack playing and we'll get out lightsabers and we'll have an epic lightsaber duel. And so as we're fighting with lightsabers, uh, we're fighting and, and I'll take a little stab at his leg and I'll say, oh, got you. And he'll go, no, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. 
No, because this is my game and, and you can't hit me in my game. That's not an epic battle. What? You changed the rules. That wasn't the rule at the beginning. I know, but this is my game and so I changed it. And so you can't hit me. I get to hit you. That, that's typically the way it goes. It doesn't work that way, everybody. There are rules that we have to live by as believers. There is a set of guidelines that we follow, and they are life to us. But we have to compete by those rules. The baseball player does not go in and say, uh, he doesn't argue with the, okay, that's not true. He does definitely argue with the, um, but, but he doesn't get to win because the rules have been set by that umpire. They've been set, and they are firm. And so it's his domain. The stripes win. But we want to change the rules for our own convenience. We want the crown without playing by the rules. We don't want the discipline. We don't want the self-denial. We love to talk about and, and, and idolize athletes, but we don't ever want to emulate them. We don't want to take the time to sacrifice and to, to deny ourselves and to exercise and to build. We like to just sit in our armchairs and, and be armchair quarterback and say, oh, I would have never done the play that way. Never. <laughs> oh, what's this guy doing? What a joke. Really? How many games have you been the quarterback of? How, how, how often have you done that? Yeah. Nate, Nate's done a lot, but he doesn't count. We don't want to pay the price they've paid to get where they are. Everybody, if you want the strength, the grace of God in you, if you want to be able to spread the gospel and reproduce, you've got to be. If you want to endure hardship and suffering, if you want to learn what God is trying to teach you, you've got to be like the disciplined, well-trained athlete and obey the rules, God's rules for living. You'll find most of those right here. Uh, <clears throat> third thing, we got to go quick. The third, the third enduring analogy that Paul gives is the one of the farmer. And he says, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. And then he says, reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Farmers work hard. You're called to be a patient and hardworking farmer. They get up early. They stay up late. They work hard all day long. Something happens at night, they got to take care of that too. There's an animal that comes in, tries to eat all the other animals. Well, they got to go take care of that. They lose sleep. And what do they do? They get up the next morning and they go again because there's work to be done. He plants and he continues to work. Even through the growing season, he's got to keep working. Looking forward towards the harvest, he's got to keep working, keep enduring, keep going. And here's the thing. If he stops or if he's negligent, he's not going to see the crop or the harvest. If any time he just says, ah, enough, I'm tired of this, I'm finished, I'm done, he'll never see that harvest come out. He's got to keep going. He's got to keep working. The farmer has a culture developed in him of delayed gratification. Something will happen. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to see it happen. The issue with us is, as we're enduring hardships in life, we just want to give up. We want to give up, and you give up before the rescue comes. You give up. You give up too soon. 
Jesus is working. He's teaching you. You're learning even though you don't know it. And you just give up and say, I can't do it anymore. I'm out. I'm done. I've had enough. It doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. He works in you to accomplish his purposes. You've got to stay. You've got to endure. You've got to be patient. Farmers work for months and months and months through wind and rain and drought and disease and all kinds of hardships. And they keep working without seeing any reward. Nothing on that crop is coming up. Nothing is growing and they keep working because they know that something's happening underneath. There's life that's growing in that soil. It's happening. It's coming. It's just not here yet. It's the same with you and I. Jesus is at work in you. His grace is making you strong to endure. There's life below that soil. You just can't see it, but it's coming. And if you'll endure to the end, you will see it. He tells Timothy, reflect on all these things. The Lord will give you insight. So we take a moment to just reflect on it. There are three things they all have in common. And quickly, here's what they are. Those three enduring analogies, three things in common. One is focus. They're focused. They're not distracted. They remain focused on what they're doing. They have belief in the cause. Belief in the cause of Christ. Belief in what Jesus is doing on the earth. So much so that they can't be knocked out. They won't be taken down. They're going to endure because they believe in him. And they know that there are people who need him. Third thing is eyes on the prize. Eyes on the prize. Their eyes are fixed on the ultimate goal, that crown of, that the athlete is looking for, the ultimate goal. And everybody, that ultimate goal is Jesus. He is the ultimate goal that we're after. And so this morning, just like Marty said, verse 8, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, Descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect. That they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? The encouragement to all of us today to endure the hardships. To fight to the finish. To reach the ultimate goal is to remember Jesus.